All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to Duckman TV's Weekend Warriors again. So we're chatting to the New South Wales women's country coach, Patrick Bowen. Patrick, how are you going? Thanks for your time this afternoon. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, I understand you were the um, Chikorovsky Cup coach uh, last year with the country women's team. How long have you done that role for? Um, I'm coming into my third year this year. So, yeah, last year was my second year. And um, just due to COVID, it was a bit of a, a funny year. So I also had the uh, New South Wales Cockatoos men's coach with me, Sean McCready. So um, we kind of worked together last year at Chikorovsky Cup. And, um, yeah, just because just of COVID, we had we had almost a blessing for the women's program because we had all the, the resources from the Cockatoos. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good year. Yeah. So how many players did you carry in the squad throughout the tournament? Because that was over... Only a couple of weeks, wasn't it? Or based over a weekend, the finals were out in Bathurst. Yeah, it was a two, two, um, like a two-round competition. So first round was at Foreshore Park um, in Southern Districts, and the second week uh, was out at Bathurst. So, um, mate, we only took um, we only took twenty-five. Um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bare bones because it's such a short program, you know. So, um, and yeah, you can only run with your twenty-three. So. Um, with injuries and stuff like that, we we probably just run through the 23. We had a few girls that were um, of players of national interest who were on limited hours or limited minutes, sorry. So um, we had 25, but probably only 23 really at, at one time. So. so how does that work, the limited interest? Obviously, I hear about it and see it, but and see it get enforced with um, Rugby Australia or, say, the Shoot Shield Clubs. Blah, blah, blah. You might play for Pemriff or you might play for Souths, but you can't go and play for them today because you're when you get injured for our campaign or whatever. So is that literally what comes down from Rugby Australia with different yeah. players? Um, it's more from the med from the med staff. Like I know when I was in the Aon system, like the, the Aussie Sevens girls would they'd literally say you can this player can play for seven or eight minutes, um, which was hard to juggle because in sevens if there's no stoppage in play, who knows when that when they can come off kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's probably not as it's probably not as um, like that with the 15s. It was it was uh, just the physios and the, and the doctors and the med staff would say, um, yeah, this the Wallaroo players can, you know, they can play, you know, 40 minutes of footy over, over the day or over the weekend or whatever. So, um, yeah, we we had a couple of girls that were kind of rehabbing or on the way back in. So. That's probably why they're on the on the limited limited time. Yeah, so it would have made a much more complicated task to balance your squad because you want to pick the best available players for you, like Grace Hamilton and all these other different girls that are available for the country squad, but they might be on limited time and then different management programs for their fitness and playing training regime. So that would have you would have been juggling lots of different hats and lots of different balls and. Probably very lucky you had Sean McCready with you as well to <laughs> help manage the workload for that. Uh, it, was, it wasn't too bad because because it, it was only injured players, so we only had one or two of them. So um, I think the hardest thing for them is that they're, they're competitive. You know, they that they're not they're not used to probably riding the pine and and um, yeah and resting whole games like we we rested uh, Arabella McKenzie whole game and you know she was pretty much tearing treads in the sideline. So. Um, <laughs> She obviously she's a competitor. She wants to get on there and, and play against the best. So, I think it, that was the hardest aspect of it. You know, um, I think for them, 
just taking that back seat and and just easing into it was probably the hardest hardest thing. But um, yeah, it was only had two or three players like that, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, do you think Chikorovsky Cup will uh, continue to kick on? So it's its third year now, isn't it? So last year or was it its fourth year? Uh, yeah, it was its third year last year. Um, yeah, so it's its third year last year. Yeah, look, obviously Kerry Chikorovsky is quite passionate about women's rugby and and developing um, and developing uh, women's rugby in New South Wales and. If you look at the pathway now um, in women's 15s rugby, um, it's becoming such a, a strong and legitimate pathway. You know, Wallaroos are getting play, uh, paid per test match and, you know, it's starting to become a lot more professional. And um, so I think it's it's a genuine kind of stepping stone um, to make that Wallaroos squad. And, um, you know, I think Dwayne Esther and, you know, and Tinky and those guys, Kind of use use that tournament and the and the corresponding one in Brisbane and and whatnot as a bit of a sounding board to to look for some new talent and um, yeah so I, th- I think it has a very important role in that fifteenth pathway. Yeah. So um, it would obviously help having Kerry Chikorovsky for political background and uh, she's got a lot of pull, public pull, and obviously commercial acumen, business acumen she can bring to the table and get the right people sitting at the table to help promote the game. And as you said, that, that really works wonders. So and the game's continuing to grow, particularly at a sevens level across the state. And I don't know what it's like in the rest of the country. I can only see what I can see in New South Wales. But the number's just going through the roof at the moment all over the place, particularly junior girls and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the area that we're in now in, um, in Tamworth, yeah, and with some with Pirates Club here, and their women's program is just going from strength to strength. You know, they got 14s, 16s, 18s, and senior women, um, which you know for a country club is is pretty commendable. And and they're not just um, kicking stones. You know, they they've got bulk numbers in in pretty much every grade. So and they're competitive. Um, so it's good to see that these girls are now, you know, a couple of years ago in country. Um, you'd get them to the New South Wales country level and they might have only played um, a ha- sorry, a handful of um, 15, 15 aside games and now they've come through country champs and rep programs and they've got two, three, four years of 15s experience by the time you get them. Um, so that's only going to get better and better. You know, soon we're going to see girls that have been playing, you know, 10, 10 aside, 15 aside, seven aside rugby from, you know, from under fives all the way up into seniors. Uh, which is going to take the skill level to the roof. That that will really help with depth of numbers and everything like that. So, in I think rugby, it looks like, along with obviously, I would say a traditional women's sport, you'd have hockey and you have netball. That's what people think is traditional women's sport. You got soccer making massive inroads. For, for rugby to gain that foothold when it's well known that like men's rugby numbers are sort of all over the place, particularly in metropolitan Sydney. It, um, that's a huge effort because the women's numbers are growing everywhere I can see in the country, in the city, and that can't be said necessarily for the men's rugby programs. And uh, that, that's a good step forward, really, for everyone involved. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think especially these, you know, you look at these little towns, um, you know, like Tari, Warhope, um, Glen Innes, places like that, they're little they're really essentially um, one team towns, you know, and 
their women's programs have just breathed a you know bit of fresh air into into rugby and the yeah, clubs are buzzing and they've got you know more spectators they're selling more beers you know they're selling more sausages they can tea and they're financially better off um you know i think you can't underestimate um it's probably the lifeline um that rugby needed especially in the country and um and i'm i'm guessing that's reflected nationwide as well i'm a bit like you i'm not all over the the other states kind of queensland new south wales i have a bit of an idea about but i'm i'm, I'm assuming that that's probably reflected nationwide yeah so and the quality of the women's rugby i was involved or had some sort of interest and level of involvement in it when i played at pema Femus in 2009 they had a women's team and they were good they had some australian women's players and that stuff and it's good to see I walked away in and out of the game a bit from work commitments and stuff and come back and got to commentate games last year for Clutch 7. I commentated Jack Scott Cup semi-final between Warringah and the two Blues. And the quality of the rugby, seriously, matched the men. The women's players and their international players, like Chloe Dalton and stuff like Eva Haramia uh, and stuff like that, like they're fantastic players. They're like Wallaroos players, they're Australian Olympians and Athletic-wise, they match it with the guys, everything. So you couldn't, I couldn't fault anything about it. It was just massive. It just grabbed my interest and just couldn't believe it. People need to get down and watch the quality. Yeah, that um, that I think it was a Ringer versus Campbelltown. There's a Shani Williams Chloe Dalton try, where um Shani Williams makes a line break and um crossfield kicks about 40 meters down, hits Chloe. Dalton on the fly. Um, <laughs> it, it's probably one of the best tries, regardless of gender. Um, but you just look at those two girls in particular, obviously professional athletes, been in the Aussie Seven system, Chloe's played AFL. You just saw how aggressive and fast they were off the line. It was, it's just next level, you know. And, and those two probably exemplify um, where the game's going because they're, they're the benchmark that these girls will, will surpass, really. Um, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent benchmark too. So, yeah, that's, that's the same thing. When I was commentating, I was on the edge of my seat till the end of the game. Like two blues had it over Warringah, and it was just massive. They were over the top of them for the whole game. Warringah were getting back. There's 40 seconds to go or something. They're down by a try. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to have to pull one out before I hear. Had a scrum in their own half. Parasinieri hit. Um, Chloe Dalton on the chest and then she just legged it, scored in the corner the best try to get them back in the game and then four minutes into injury time because just kept them rolling and rolling and rolling and they she made another line break and set up one of her other teammates and scored under the post she just, could, just couldn't believe it, it was on the edge of my seat at the end of the game and that says so much for where the game's at now Yeah, and it's really come that, on that side, like Paris is a, is a country girl, you know Shani's from Batlow Cheech Baker's country girl, you know, like all these New South Wales country players are just, they've, they've gone into that Jack Scott cup and just absolutely thriving, you know, like um, it's, it's, you know, it's great to see as well. Yeah. Shani's the Australian uh, women's captain in your moment too. And she just, is it for sevens or for the Wallaroos too? For sevens. Yeah. Grace is a Wallaroos captain and Shani's the, um, I think she's co-captain with Shannon Parry. Yeah, that's a that's a massive achievement for someone from Batlow. Like people don't think Batlow, you just think off the top of your head, yeah, apples. That's it. Absolutely. It's a little town 
it is little. You drive through it in five minutes, ten minutes through the whole yeah. district. So in and out on your way from Tumut to Wagga or whatever. So and yeah. the smallest area and producing like the best talent. So massive. Yeah, it's uh it's they they're footy mad down there. That's that's Brumby's territory. Um but um yeah, that they they're just they're just sporting mad down there. They've produced yeah, rugby league, rugby union, they've produced some quality athletes in that in that area. Definitely. Yeah. So under your role as the coach of um, the cockatoos as well, so or working alongside everyone else, have you actually travelled around much and checked out in other regions in New South Wales? You gone and checked out women's players or been flicked videos or like, how do you work out who you're picking for your squad? Do you have much say in it or you get told it's what you got to work with? And um, well, we we traditionally have country championships, which is the biggest um that's the probably the biggest event on on the on the country new south Wales country calendar and um last year because of covid we didn't have one so our selection for for new south Wales women were a little bit different for country women yeah um, but traditionally we all designs come together um in tamworth actually it's been in tamworth the last couple of years um and they play a country championships and we select from there so um so to to be an actual to make the new south Wales cockatoos to actually get the cockatoos jersey you you have to come through country week there's no other um you know if you're sick or injured or miss it or whatever there there's no black and white with them they, they they just hold their standard pretty high and um and yeah to, to wear the cockatoos jersey you, you have to come through country week uh women have been a little bit different so if you want to wear the corellas jersey um and the corellas haven't played for a couple of years that's the same thing you have to come through country week um, but with Chikorovsky Cup, it's changed a little bit. So that's why we go under New South Wales Country Women, um, because we um, we embrace um, country origin players such as Grace. You know, she's got a strong history in the Central West. She's from out near Orange Way. You know, Piper Duck. She's from um, I think she's down Tumut. I think Tumut or somewhere down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Arabella's from Walgett. You know, all these real country places. So. Uh, we get these girls of country origin come back. So um, because they haven't come through country week, they don't, um, we don't call them the Corellas. So we go under New South Wales country women. Um, but traditionally country week's our biggest selection um, selection tool. Yeah. So what sort of numbers do you get there spectator wise to watch the Corellas play and the Cockatoos? They both play on the same day when they normally play. Uh, traditionally not. They haven't. I think that the board, um, you know, you got some guys like Matt Waterford, Edwards, people are trying and homogenize the programs and and get them get them more aligned. Uh, yeah. But the Cockatoos play that kind of um, second tier NRC comp, so they yeah. lost the final last year um, to Western Force. Um, yeah. And it was a pretty pretty close one by reports, but they were playing over in Adelaide, um, so we we didn't obviously travel with them. Um, we played Chikorovsky Cup in in, uh, in New South Wales, so um, they are trying to get the programs to align a bit more. But yeah, currently they they are kind of separate. Yeah. So can you tell everyone a little bit about your rugby background and all that as a player and coach, and how it come about you ended up being the coach of the women's country team? Yes, um, I just I guess I just born a bit of a, a rugby tragic, you know. My 
um, when I was really young, back in primary school, I remember my cousin got caught up for the 91 World Cup Wallabies. He was a, he was a late, uh, late entry. Um, he played for Ramwick, so you can't hold that against him. He, you know, he's probably had some bad plays there, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my, um, my parents went to Sydney Uni. I'd just been a long life kind of Sydney Uni, um, Sydney Uni fan, and just remember going down to, um, you know, number one oval and uh, as a kid and just, you know, pretty mesmerised by Shoot Shield. Um, went to St. Greg's College and, you know, played a, played a bit of footy there. And um, after school, kind of just went overseas and um, just had a bit of a bit of a laugh, mate. Just loved the rugby tour, you know, um, been around, you know, US, England, South Africa, you know, just loved jumping on all those amateur tours. Was never in the mix as a pro player or anything like that. But, um, you know, I moved out to the country uh, from Sydney. So I uh, moved up to Port Macquarie and um, got involved, started the Warhawk Thunder Rugby Club. So I was one of the founding members there um, and became still the current president, actually. Um, <laughs> so um, starting a rugby club from scratch was, was pretty... Um, was was pretty daunting because you know I've been involved with some really big clubs you know like colleagues and and stuff like that so um, you know they're well oiled machines with you know hundreds of years of you know or decades of history behind them so starting a, a, a club from scratch has been a um, a bit of an eye opener um, and then we just didn't have anyone to coach our women's team and um, we actually didn't even have a women's comp but we had all these girls rock up to our training sessions and war hopes are little rugby league town, you know, and um, just about 20 kilometres west of Fort Macquarie. Yeah. And we were having about five or six girls show up every week with no competition to playing. And they were just training with the boys. And um, and we kind of were the pioneers of that women's comp in that mid-north coast and um, kind of just pushed and pushed and pushed. And now um, they've got a pretty booming comp, uh, lower mid-north coast and upper mid-north coast competition. Um, so yeah, just by chance started coaching, coaching the girls there and, um, was lucky enough to get a, a shot at, in the Aon Uni Sevens with UNE Lions in 2017. Um, was one of the assistant coaches there. So I got to go on tour to, you know, um, Tasmania and up to Queensland and whatnot, which was, which was a great experience. And that was probably my first, um, eye opener into that kind of professional-ish, you know, high performance model, you know, we had Alicia Quirk and um, Rhiannon Byers and Hannah Southwell and stuff in our team. So, you know, those, you know, it was just a bit of an eye-opener to see how, you know, the Kazakhs, the Quirks, the Sharnies and stuff, you know, approach the game. Um, yeah, and then I started coaching country junior girls, so under 18s, and um, we went to the national championships. We've... Um, came runners up every time. So first time lost the Western force on the bell, which was heartbreaking. And um, 2018, no, 2019, sorry, lost to Sydney. Um, Sydney convincingly beat us. So, but for the first two years before that, we convincingly beat Sydney. So we've been in that arm wrestle for city country last couple of years. And then, um, yeah, I just applied for New South Wales country and um, yeah, had a few runs on the board by that stage. And then, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to get the reins and um, lucky enough to get invited back this year. So um, it's probably one of the best, best things I've ever done coaching wise. So, yeah. 
it looked like you seem to enjoy it a lot and you talk very highly of it, which is good. And the girls I've come across and spoken to, like they said, they really enjoyed the experience of the Chikorovsky Cup and what you offer them because you're not an old, you don't come across as an old school coach. I've had some old school coaches that just did an old school thing. Our boy's going to do 30 laps before we start training tonight. And it's like, oh, really? Just flog you into the ground running wise. Just, oh, I'm not going to see the ball till you've done 30 laps. So you run your 10 days and then we'll look at the ball. And oh, now we're going to tackle, tackle bags for the next half an hour. And you can pass the ball around. Then you get to do another 10 laps doing that. And like, oh, it's not even training. This is just running. This is a dump. So, but um, that's yeah. the technical level of all the aspects of training I've noticed has changed a lot. So coach as well. Um, <laughs> nowhere near the level you're coaching at, but at the change in mindset, like I said, from the old school way to what it is now, uh, otherwise you wouldn't get the results you get now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you've got players. Um, I think the the hardest thing with the country is that, yeah, you've you've got a girl from out in the bush somewhere. Let's say, you know, Bogabri, for example. She's maybe played a handful of 15s, 15 aside games in her life, and. Um, and she may have come from that old school coaching, you know, just come around the corner, exhaust, you know, give it to the backs and see what happens kind of thing. But she's in an environment now where you've got, you know, a Grace Hamilton or a Cheech Baker or something like that. When they're talking about release players and playing shape and, you know, you, you have to be, you have to be at that level. Otherwise you'll, um, otherwise you, you won't get the best result. So, yeah, I think those, those days are, are long gone. I think the old run to that tree and, and back and do some stretches and yeah, yeah bash each other. Yeah, flog people into the ground and it's acceptable yeah. drink half a bottle of port before a game and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, so I think there are. How do you work with the management with the medical team? Like, because they'd be on like strict diets and everything, wouldn't it? But you'd be nearly at a full professional level in the management, the game management of the girls and everything out of game management a whole lot, wouldn't you? Um, those those Wallaroo girls or, or Waratahs or Super Rugby girls, they're kind of um, you, you don't have to do much work with them in that side of thing. They're they're pretty professional in their approach. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't catch them, you know, getting on the cans or anything like that. They um they they look after themselves diet wise and yeah. and and lifestyle wise. Um, the girls that come into camp from you know from the from country New South Wales um, we don't really incubate an environment that would support it anyway so yeah uh, yeah it's 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 something that we don't really put much attention into mate because we never really had to I guess um, yeah they, they kind of come off the shelf ready ready to go yeah you don't have to keep anyone off the KFC and stuff when they come in from the bush because oh look at this got all these mad things that don't have out of my little town so I don't know. There's, there's a few. There's probably a few props that we wouldn't um, wouldn't get in the way of KFC. But. <laughs> uh, so, um, in your experience, what what do you think could be done more to grow the women's games? I had some conversations with you late last year. There was a bit of like mud getting slung around about. They said, "Oh, where are all the women's country players from? Oh, they're all from Jack Scott Cup." And I just looked at it like, "Yeah, then the Jack Scott Cup, most of them." Like I didn't think of the fact the people involved that were looking for a nefarious line of uh, questioning and answers. And it wasn't as sinister as that at all. Like, and they did it on the New South Wales Waratahs page, which I was not real impressed about. It made it look like I 
advocated it. And um, so basically, it's not like that at all. The women you've got playing in the countryside, they're country-based or country, like actually living out there or from the areas. And you're not just filling spots in the squad to make numbers to push push out teams, are you? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think, um, like, I, I guess we, we copped a bit of heat, like, from it, like, from various angles, you know, if, keyboard warriors on shoot shield forums to to people at, at the game you know they'll question you know why is grace hamilton or someone playing for country but it probably just shows that they don't know the game that well because if you look at say grace as an example at chikoroski cup her late father got made a life member of country so john hamilton was a president he was a president of um of country juniors and um, yeah, they're from the Central West area. So I've probably never seen anyone excited to pull on the country jersey as Grace. She was absolutely, you know, um, ecstatic to, to get the chance. And um, and I think everyone that does wear the country jersey has a genuine connection to it. And I think that's why we got such a good result. You know, um, as much as we did good things on the field, I think our off-field um, environment was, was what made girls want to come back and play and... Um, and I think the other thing is people were like questioning why why do you pick girls from Hunter or or Campbelltown because they're in um they're in the Jack Scott Cup and essentially the, the bread and butter um, countries are Illawarra Campbelltown's part of Illawarra and yeah. Hunter's obviously part of the Hunter so they've they've got a long history in country championships and 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 country rugby and I don't think we should um, try and put off country players wanting to play in the best possible competition. And if, you know, Hunter, Hunter Wildfires, for example, they could draw from Tamworth, Mid-North Coast, you know, three or four zones around them. And if those girls can go and play in the city, develop their rugby and then go back into the country and develop country rugby, I think that's something we should be promoting. And likewise in Illawarra um, and, and down in Campbelltown way. So yeah. they were probably the biggest um, objections that we got and I don't think they were made with with great foresight because it probably showed a lack of understanding of of country rugby and and what those two zones and what these players actually mean to the to the crest. Yeah. So I got disappointed about the whole thing that I got dragged into it because I would, like I've been involved in soccer and rugby most of my life in both camps, and you'd be some sort of. Um, strange person to deny a person an opportunity to develop their professional career and make a life or living out of football and if that meant well you got to move from some little like I've got mates who live out of Geary so you move from Geary out in between Wellington and Dubbo to move to the city for an opportunity to play football and further your career and professional career outside of football as well who would deny that to somebody so Ultimately, that's a pretty rough call. So I thought you got a bit of unfair stick about the whole thing with that. But um, so in a in a professional environment, how many professional women are there at the moment that are playing rugby in like New South Wales and Australia that you're aware of? Well, t- technically, there's only um, there's only one professional team. There's only the women's sevens. So um, technically, they're the only profession, professional players in terms of salary um, and contracts. So obviously, women's sevens were sort of paved the way in terms of um, pay parity with the men. Um, 
the caveat to that is that there's there's only a handful of contracts. You know, there's probably I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but there's you know 16 or so contracts available. So it's it's not a huge amount. Um, Super Rugby is becoming more um, professional, but it's still uh, sorry Super W is becoming more professional, but it's still very much um, an, an amateur competition. These girls are, are going to work; they're not full time athletes. Um, yeah. Some some of them are, but the majority of them. Uh, they go to work nine to five and then come to Daisyville and train and, and, and play on, play on the weekend. So um, the Wallaroos are taking that step to becoming more professional. They're getting paid for test matches now, um, but still they're, they're not on, on, on training contracts unless yeah. that's changed recently. I'm, I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, technically there's only one professional women's team and that's the Aussie sevens. Yeah. Yeah. Mahalia did tell me there's a pay scale in it. So I can't remember exactly what some of their three levels, basically like a development level, like a more established player level, then elite player level. And it, it surprised me and disappointed me a little bit. I suppose you can only pay what money you have, but uh, there seems to be a difference. Like I'm not sure that a woman can make a professional living out of rugby alone. Like, whereas uh, you don't see that in European rugby with men and, I suppose even in Australian rugby, men have got to look outside of rugby to make a living because there's not that much money in it unless you're 10 or so players in Australia. So it's yeah. very different other sports. Same, like you can go to Spain or Portugal or Japan or, and get paid as a, as a female player to, to play 15s rugby, um, which you can't do in your own country, which is, <laughs> which is, um, is yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's speaks. There's a there's an issue there definitely that um, but I guess it, it comes down to support. You know, we need some people to support Super W. You know, we need people buying memberships to their home unions. We need people buying the jerseys and stuff like that. So the more support we can get there, the the bigger chance these girls have of, of getting an income from it. Yeah. So the day you played out of Foreshore and you played the whole weekend at Foreshore, then you and the following weekend you played out at um Bathurst at um Bathurst Bulldogs home ground. When you when you played at Foreshore, what sort of crowd did you get down at the game? Yeah, Foreshore was we did we only played the the Sunday because Saturday was our first training session, so we hadn't, we hadn't trained together yet. Um, so we trained on the Saturday and played played on the Sunday. Um, we probably got a we probably got around a thousand people there, I'd say, um, off the top of my head. It wasn't. It was by no means packed, but it, it wasn't empty either. So, um, yeah, you had the you had the Brumbies girls, the two Sydney teams, and obviously us there. So, um, yeah, it was it was a decent crowd um, without without being crazy, you know. Um, yeah, COVID hadn't hit like it did last year. You lost quite a few players out of that that would have played in the Chikorovsky Cup and been spread throughout the different teams, such as Mahalia and Elia Green and stuff like that. You think, um, and Charlotte Casley, God, I mean, she played in Eva, did she? They went to the Women's National Rugby League. If they had played, do you think they would have made the competition stronger or added more depth to it or a bit more um, public appeal or, or don't think it would have made too much difference at all? Um, I think, like, Charlotte's obviously a pretty proud Queenslander, so she'd, she'd probably play up there if she played anywhere. Um yeah, look, I don't, I don't know so much about it because 
I don't know where their interest lies with 15 aside. Obviously, their their priority is the Tokyo Olympics. So, um, you know, if you looked at a player like, um, you know, Bata Basaga and, and Grace Hamilton and those girls, their genuine interest is the is the Rugby World Cup in, in New Zealand, like 15 aside. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm not too sure, mate. I, I, just, I just don't know where, um, obviously, Elia and... and those girls had a crack at 15s this year in Jack Scott Cup, but I just don't know if that's their priority, I guess. Um, which, yeah, I'm not sure how they would juggle it. It's probably a Rugby Australia. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So, I'm going to go back to a couple of other questions I've got. Um, what do you think of the current standard of the competition? Oh, what do you think of the current standard of the competition at the moment in the Jack Scott Cup? Oh yeah, um, I think it's like it's it's growing, isn't it? Like we've had a second senior uni team come in, we've had uh, Hunter Wildfires come in, um, yeah. so it's it's good to see a women's competition growing and not not shrinking. That's yeah. in the box and. Um, Having clutch, uh, clutch TV last year was a blessing because, um, yeah, being from the country that much, and I know Sean and myself as a selection tool when we were a bit, um, we we're a bit 50 50 to go back and watch a lot of those games with the with the Hunter and Campbelltown girls. So, um, we probably watched, I, th- I thought the standard was, was really good. Um, yeah, you had those clear, you know, Sydney Uni One and Randwick were. Obviously, heads and shoulders above um, above the competition, but um, yeah, as we were saying before, some of those games, you know, between Moringa and, and Two Blues and um, and in Campbelltown, yeah, that, that was some real bread and butter footy as well. So um, it's just going to get stronger and stronger. You know, if you look at in New Zealand, Farrah Palmer Cup's been going for I think it's thirty years. Thirty years, you know, and look how strong their um, their women's competitions are. You know, I think each year that Jack Scott Cup will just get stronger and stronger, and as and that will f- feed into Super W, which will just get better and better as well. Yeah. So when you were overseas and you're just playing like rugby at amateur level, did you see much women's rugby overseas when you were there, or have you really just taken the um, tweak to it and liking to it since you've been involved in it over in Australia? Um, back in like the early, like the two thousands, um, it's probably the first time I saw women's rugby properly was, is in the UK. They, you know, um, they had some really big teams, you know, Gloucester and, and those big kind of prem clubs had a, they had a women's competition back then, um, which was pretty strong and you know, it's very strong now. Um, but I've been lucky recently to tour over in America with, with rugby sevens and, um, the women's game over there is just phenomenally big. Um, even their 15, their, their premier women's competition is starting to get bigger in 15s. And um, so, yeah, the, the, the game's growing just insane, like um, internationally. So, um, yeah, th- definitely in the earlier sort of 2000s, it, it was, wasn't seen too much, but now it's, it's everywhere. So there's a little bit of talk around the scenes at the moment. So I don't know where it's coming from. I think people are just throwing names at like after the dartboard. John Menenti's name's getting thrown up as a possible Warwick Tars coach. 
Um, I imagine you've dealt with John Menenti a little bit. So do you think that would be the sort of thing he'd be looking at or does he like the job he's got as Australian Wallaroos coach? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know him too, um, too well. He was the, um, back in the Aon days, Walsh, he was the women's coach. And, um, and so I didn't have too much to do with John. Uh, obviously, I met him around the traps, but I think everyone you talk to about him, like he's such a proud club rugby man, isn't he? Like, Obviously, he played for Sydney Uni and coached Eastwood to to three grand finals. So I think he's he's got a really great um, philosophy, you know, to um, you know have that strong foundation in club rugby and bring people through that as as the stepping stone. Um, which I don't think he can fault. I think that's a that's a great philosophy to have. And um, from all reports, the boys that have played under him um, that reckon that he's one of the best sort of man motivators going around you know like no one can get you up for a game like like john can so um yeah but I, I think honestly his name would have to be in the mix you think him and, and dc would probably be um would probably be there yeah yeah you hear a lot of so i've heard a lot of people say a lot of really good things about john Menenti, and he wouldn't have got the job at least wouldn't stay there as long as he did if he wasn't and he was delivering quality players at the time too so everything so they haven't been travelling as well since his departure. Not going crap, but like they're definitely going for a heyday with him there. And I can see the Wallaroos, the real, where, where are they sitting in the world at the moment? World ranking? Are they in the top two? Are they number two and number one or two? No, nah, I, think, I, think, I think they're a bit outside. Just, um, you know, you've got the likes, all those Six Nation rugby, like Six Nations teams, you know, England and, and Ireland and, and Wales and stuff. They, um, especially England. Um, they're they're always there or thereabouts, and obviously New Zealand are number one. So, yeah, Auss- Aussies are just kind of probably just sitting outside outside that. Um, yeah. So the good thing is it's really developing. What I've seen, like I said, in two thousand nine, I felt like oh, the quality of rugby was good, but Jack's got cup then had five teams. Now it's got nine teams, and I feel like rugby's really grown exponentially with women's in particular since. We put in the sevens team and, and it got made an appearance at the 2016 Olympics. So that and winning the gold medal, once they got the gold medal, everyone knew who the Australian women's players were. They could tell Shannon Parry was the captain. They tell you about Elia Green and everything. All little girls started having someone to look up to and we had a successful team. It's like everyone in the country jumped on board when that happened. And that's the best thing that's happened to rugby for a long time, to be honest with you, in the yeah. country. Yeah. And those um those girls from 2016, like when you when you talk to them about um I think Emga Gogli was telling us a story. They went into Narrabeen and um like they used to get the hand-me-downs from the men's team. So they used to get kit shirts and stuff that'd be like a a large or a medium men's that would just be swimming on these girls. You know, Kazik would be probably in a men's like a <laughs> two extra small or something, you know, like yeah. And she she was just saying that they didn't even have kit. They used to go on tour and didn't even have kit that that fit them properly, you know. And yeah. um, and now with that gold medal and and all those girls really worked hard on their own kind of social media platforms and you know built the game, you know, and some positive rugby. And you know they became you know Charlotte Kazik and Quirk and you know Etheridge and all those girls kind of came, became synonymous with, with rugby through their own sort of hard work and 
their own kind of branding and, and promoting the Aussie team. And yeah, the gold medal is just a sort of just a catalyst to speed that up, I think. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's an amazing story to, to look back at it. Yeah, and what I like, um, from the girls I've spoken to in Mahalia and that, she said she was in juniors coming through and had an interest in running and athletics and all this different sorts of stuff. But lots of girls, when you listen to their story, they've been involved in athletics and different things, but they never really had that big a strong running into rugby and they got invited to it and they come along and they got picked. They didn't expect to get picked. So it really is a good news story how it all come about the side and it just gelled. Everything just got there and the community, I haven't seen the community get behind an Australian rugby team of any sort for like the last 10 years. Like they do a that. They resonate with the women's sevens rugby team now. So and it's still like that today. And that's a good thing. That's a really good position to be in going forward for women's rugby. Yeah, definitely. And that's um, yeah, it's an amazing program. Like when you when you go actually see those girls train, like it it's just, you know, they've got Tommy Carter down there as their high performance person. You know, obviously John's the head coach and um, Scotty Bowen and those guys. Like the program is just insane. Like they're training six days a week and, and, yeah, and, and flat out. So it's, it's amazing the the skill and fitness and, you know, the stuff that they've got them doing is just, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. So how old are you at the moment? Uh, 37, mate. But 37. Do you reckon we'll see within the next 10 years, a sellout stadium for the uh, Wallaroos plan? Anytime ANZ or uh, Brisbane or Ballymore or anything like that? It'd be it'd be good to see. Um, this this is my thing. Like, I'd, I'd love to see those smaller community stadiums. You know, Brookvale, Ballymore, you know, Leichhardt, something like that. Um, yeah, I'd love to see it packed, even in Super Rugby. You know, like, um, I'm not sure, mate. I'm not sure. Like, in the in the ideal world, it'd be great to um, great to have these big bladders, like double headers. You know, where um, where where the men and women play together. I think that's from a commercial aspect, that's probably um, probably the more realistic thing. And I think it'd be better to, there to see, you know, um, boys and girls wearing Hooper jerseys, but um, boys and girls wearing, you know, M Chancellor jerseys as well. So um, I think in an ideal world, that's, that'd be great. But yeah, I'm not sure as a standalone just yet, um, you know, if, if the Wallaroos could, see out those those big stadiums but again it just comes down to people supporting them you know like going to the test matches you know going to buying the jerseys supporting the girls you know on social media um you know going to their events and yeah i think uh i think it will get there but it's gonna be a, a long path so where do you see yourself what do you see happening with the um chikorovsky cup and the country women's team this year and where do you see yourself in the next five years this year, yeah, obviously, um, you know, we like we everyone kind of rides us off because we uh, we don't get to train, you know, every week with each other, and you know, and I think this year we kind of played into that, you know, we talked about the brand of country rugby and, and what we want to be known for. You know, it was it was you know resilient and, and hardworking, tough, you know, tough country folk, and I think um, I think that's what, what we're going to continue to build on and. Um, yeah, obviously this year, like we want to go and defend the Chikorovsky Cup. Like we're not going to go there and just to sort of make up numbers and um, 
yeah, every time, you know, a city team or Brumbies or whoever runs on the field, we, we want them to know they're in for a hard time. And I think that's just the brand of, of footy that we like to play in the country, you know, hard, you know, relentless kind of foot on your throat um, kind of style. Um, so, yeah, mate, we want to defend the Chikorovsky Cup, um, yep. first and foremost. Uh, in the next five years, um, I'm not too sure, mate. I was lucky enough to get into that level three coaching course last year, um, the year before, sorry. Um, so, yeah, just just kind of happy to to see where the pathway takes me, mate, to be honest. And, um, um, yeah, every, every year during country, like you, you never assume that you're going to get the tap on the shoulder again. So um, every year is a, is a blessing to to coach the team. So, um, yeah, if I, get, if I get that tap on the shoulder next year, I'd be happy to do it again. But... Um, yeah, I'm just going to see where the, where the pathway takes me, mate. But, yeah, a lot, a lot to obviously um, keep going up the ladder as, as high as I can. And, um, yeah. But. So Waratah's coaching job or Wallaroo's coaching job come up, you take that with open hands? Yeah, well, <laughs> probably, probably, a, probably a while off, uh, off a national gig, mate. But, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, obviously would love to get involved with the Waratahs. You know, they're... Um, they're a home union and yeah, I've supported them, you know, my whole life. So I've got that sort of connection to them as well. So um, yeah, Waratah's gig, we might, that'd be, um, that'd be unreal. But um, if not, mate, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, provide the the nursery to feed Waratah's players into as well. So um, yeah, um, I'll just, I'll just see what happens. But I'll just keep plotting along and, and doing my thing. No worries. Right. Thanks a lot for your time today, Paddy. Really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your thoughts and opinions about women's rugby and where it's at. I think it's in a good place at the moment. It's only going to keep on getting better. And for people you in charge in the helm of country women's rugby and other people in the other bits and pieces around the place, it's uh, it's in a good position moving forward. So thanks for everything you do for the game, for the women's rugby. And uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting to you again down the track. Yeah. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's been been yeah. great. Thanks, Paddy. All right. No worries, mate. Cheers. See ya. Bye.